Welcome to the Olive Tree Podcast channel. Whether you're listening from our beloved Durban, South Africa, or from further away, we trust that you would feel welcome and included in what God is doing in our community, and that you feel inspired by today's message. Good morning, Olive Tree. Uh, whenever you think that the Olive Tree creative team couldn't do any better, they up the game every single time. Coho Hovid. It really is good to be able to speak to you today, and I would have loved to have been able to say it was great to be together, but unfortunately, Coho Hovid has meant that we've had to adapt and be flexible again and go back online. But I, you know, we often talk about pre-COVID and pre the craziness of 2020, how the church is not a building, the church is not a place where people meet, but it's our community, and that's been tested more than ever this year. Um, and I think we've seen that, that this community is very much together, this community has very much been connected, and I'm very grateful to be able to speak to you online today. And, uh, and I'm going to talk today a bit more about community, but before I do that, I've, I've had a couple of days away at the start of my leave um, this week, and I always like to take the opportunity to try and just look back on the year for myself, for, for people around me, and just go, what have we been through? And, and in doing so, this week was a bit different, because this year has been something else. And I just felt we needed to recognize that this morning, that it's been a year that's been very much filled with anxiety, it's been a year that's been filled with fear for all of us, uncertainty, what's coming next, things are changing, suddenly our work life was turned upside down, things have just been different. We've had to lower our expectations for things coming up, things we wanted to do. We've had hope deferred for events we were going to, connections we were going to make, places we were going to go. And it's just been a complete roller coaster for everybody. And I don't know about you, but in the last couple of weeks alone, you know, we were getting to Christmas and I think everybody was just going, you know, shut my eyes, close my ears, just, just get me there, this holiday is going to happen. And then it didn't. And I've had decision fatigue. I know that person who was in contact with that person and should I then be in isolation? Can we have Christmas Day? Can that family member come? Are we going to cancel the holiday? Can we go to the beach? It's just been tiring. It's just been a hangover year and I just felt this morning to just acknowledge that and for you to acknowledge that as you sit at home to have some grace for yourself, have some grace for the person on the couch next to you. You may have had uh, a bit of friction in the home this year, and you go, what's happening? Why, why is our environment like this? Well, you live through a global pandemic. You know, it hasn't been normal. And, uh, you know, I think we can just have grace for each other. And when I, when I thought about the year, it reminded me of a couple of images that I had come across in the last couple of months. Twitter is the gift that keeps on giving and gives you some content that really frames things really well. Um, if we just call up the first image is one that, uh, that kind of just chronologically just sort of tells us what we went through this year. We skipped into the new year, hope and expectation. February was okay. And then Uncle Cyril called in March. And then pretty much from that point on, we've sort of been gazing into the distance going, well, what has happened? <laughs> Guys, you've lived through a global pandemic. That's what's happened. And I think a lot of us are sort of coming into December with the same sort of glazed stare on our face. Um, for many people... We did, we just wanted to get to December. Could this thing just be gone by December so we could take a break um, from all the stress and all the adjustments that we've had to make and, you, and a lot of you just wanted to get to the beach and, and have a good tan and then the beaches were closed. And so unfortunately, this is what it's gonna look like. In the next image, you have plans for a tan, but unfortunately, you're gonna go back to work with a face mask tan in January 
Um, and it's just another, another thing that's been taken from us. Um, I think the next one really sums it up. If 2020 was a swing, we were coming in with momentum and we're leaving the year with a bloody noise. Um, and I think it sums it up for a lot of, for a lot of us. Um, I read an article in the New Yorker. We just put on the next slide. It, it had this title. It was the year that wasn't. And it actually made me a bit sad, that title, the year that wasn't, because so many people had so many plans and new business ideas and things we were going to do and changes we were going to make. And it was the year that wasn't. But in many respects, it was the year for, new, for, for some things and for some new things. And things that we've learned this year that we didn't know before were concepts like social distancing and self-isolation. You know, and what this virus has done, it has forced us to be apart. It has forced us to be separated from one another. We had five weeks of hard lockdown where we couldn't be with our closest family. I remember my parents having to drive up to a gate and see my nine-month-old son from three meters away. It's just not natural. It's just not the way it should be. Colleagues and friends couldn't connect in the way that you used to. It's just not the relationships that you wanted to have and grow and develop this year. You just weren't able to. This virus caused us to be apart. I know a couple, some good friends of ours, who were separated for nearly seven months in two different countries, the, the mom and her children in South Africa, the dad away, for seven months separated. And for some of you, you actually may have had far more family time than you would have anticipated and hoped for in, in, in this year. And in actual fact, it's caused an issue. You haven't recovered out of the fights that you had in April when you were in hard lockdown, and things were said that don't get said in normal environments, and pressure caused you to cause a little bit of hurt or say that thing, and, and maybe there's been tension and rifts and things that you regret having said or behaved a certain way, and that hasn't quite been, been dealt with, you know, and you're holding on to that a little bit. And today what I want to talk about is about the fact that when Jesus arrived on earth, he created a way for people to be reconciled to one another into a transformative community that had never been seen before. People had had community before Jesus, centuries, thousands of years of people connecting and having friends and being part of different cultures, but not transformative community, where things happen that should not happen, the unexpected happens because of Jesus, where we can apply it today and know that where there are challenges in marriages today, and you're thinking, my marriage is irreconcilable, the presence of Jesus makes your marriage reconcilable. That where brothers and sisters or parents and child relationships are strained, you haven't spoken in months, maybe years, and you go, how am I going to bridge the gap? The presence of Jesus makes that possible. Where we have orphans and, and, and children without parents, the presence of Jesus gets into the hearts of adults to be able to say, welcome into my family. And adoption happens because of Jesus. That there are people on the fringe, even in a church community, that person that's a little bit on the outside, that person that's a little bit uncomfortable to speak to, it almost inconveniences me to talk to them. That person can be welcomed in and accepted into community in a way that maybe they thought they never could before because of Jesus. And his arrival on earth created this transformative community to be possible. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He's not God with I or God with me. He is God with us, with a community that was formed and created around him. And I want to start today by looking at a scripture that shows us how this, this began. And in Luke 2 verse 8 as we approach Christmas this Friday, 
Um, you know, you, you may be starting to read some of the Christmas scriptures again and remind yourself of the story. It isn't just a story, it was the, it was the changing of the world as we knew it forever. It says that now they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you, that you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. You see, what we see in this encounter with the shepherds and then with the wise men is that before Jesus, this community, community was not possible. We see that Joseph and and Mary are on their way to Bethlehem with Mary heavily pregnant and they are together but alone. They don't have community with them. They're a little bit isolated. They arrive at the inn. They get rejected. Now they're, in, now they're social distance from everybody around them. They've got nowhere to go. They get told, go to a manger. And Jesus is born. And then suddenly around Joseph and Mary, the shepherds arrive and the wise men arrive. And what we know is the nativity scene that you see in the shopping malls, and, 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 and we know the, the story of seeing the, the stable and the manger, is the nativity scene, it isn't, it's the start of transformative community, that the arrival of Jesus brought community around Joseph and Mary, and was the start of God saying, this is how I bridge the gap between myself and people, and people to one another. So the angel says to the shepherds, peace and goodwill towards men. Why did he need to say that? It's because before Jesus was around, there was no way for humankind to have ultimate peace and goodwill for one another because we were separate from God. Because of the sin, the sin condition of humankind, a holy and righteous God was not able to have community with man, despite the fact that he had done everything to try and bridge the gap. And as much as he desired to want to have community, sin stood and was a wedge between man and God. And we were not able to have community with him. And Jesus came to save man from eternity without God, giving us ultimate peace. That is why the angel says to the shepherds, he says that a savior is coming and then he says that you may have peace because the reality is I get to live today knowing that God has dealt with sin, that I may know him and I live on earth with the ultimate peace that my eternity is gonna be in community with God. That's why he said, I never had peace before I knew Jesus, because I didn't know what would happen after this life. And now I get to live on this life with a peace that transcends all situations because I know I have community and eternity with God. And out of that place of having community with God, I'm able to have goodwill and transform community around me and transform the relationships around me. Because before we can even consider being reconciled with one another in our community, we cannot do the horizontal until we get this vertical that we, in our sin, were not able to know God. And that when he dealt with that, it's only out of that place of confessing with my mouth and believing in my heart that Jesus is Lord, am I transformed, that I am then able to be transformed in my relationships. We've become, uh, as I said earlier, we've become used to these terms of, of social distancing and self-isolation. And before Jesus, 
We were socially distant from God. We were isolated in our sin. Sin caused a wedge between us and God. And as we've seen the vaccine to COVID-19, which has caused a similar type of separation, as we've seen the vaccine start to be rolled out, and as we anticipated in South Africa, the, the vaccine that causes this virus to go away and bring community back together, all of the separation and this being you know, out of community can stop. That was the way in which God was able to, to, to bring us back into relationship with him. Jesus was the vaccine. When the angel says that a savior is coming, it was a savior from sin, the vaccine to the virus that caused us to be separate from God. This is, this is the thing you've got to get. This is the gospel. This is Emmanuel, God with us. We never had a God with us before God was able to do this and bring his son. That Jesus would live the life we couldn't and die the death that we should have. And it was that anticipation, and now it is that recognition that we get to have today that transforms us, that is then able to help us to transform our relationships around us, to make a difference, and to be engaged in our community. And so there are two elements of, um, of the gospel, of the experience of, 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 of what we get at the cross, that I really believe is, is, is key to us being able to live out goodwill amongst men to live out something different, to live out a transformation of community that is not something that we know. The first is forgiveness. As I've said, we were forgiven of our sin, that God dealt with that, that we may know him. And forgiveness does three things. The first is that it humbles us. I remember when uh, I was 15, I came to know Jesus on an olive tree youth camp down at Afafa Beach. And uh, I was 15 years old. I came to know Jesus on the Saturday I spent the next Monday to Friday in my high school break time, small break and big break, apologizing to all of the people that I bullied for the time before that. And I realized on that Saturday that God had forgiven me of everything. And as I had received forgiveness, it humbled me to have to go to people that I had looked down on and I had to go to them and say, I'm sorry, but I have been forgiven and I'm asking you to forgive me. And the cross humbles us. And out of that place of humility, it can transform community. And I can tell you that there are a number of people out of those that I apologize to, many never spoke to me again and didn't accept my Facebook friend requests, but others of them came to know Jesus out of that place of being able to ask for forgiveness. And then they led Olive Tree youth groups with me and other people came to know Jesus. So maybe God's just nudging on you today. Maybe he's just reminding you of someone. You might have a little, I just can't do it, God. I have too much pride. I can't go and say sorry. You don't understand. They're then going to have the leg and they're then going to be able to have the upper hand. And God says, but I did everything for you at the cross. And it's out of that place of humility that we're able to say, thank you, Jesus, and be able to ask people to forgive us where we feel we may need that. The second thing that we get from Jesus at the cross is healing. I spoke a couple of weeks ago in a in a testimony in one of the services about how my family had been through the very difficult journey of my dad struggling with alcoholism for 10 years and the disruption that it caused in our family. Um, and I spoke about the incredible restoration story that God did in our family as my dad came to know Jesus and as our family uh, was unified in, in my dad's salvation. An amazing story of God's goodness. But what I didn't tell you about were many, many, many moments over those 10 years where I was angry, where I was, felt justified in my frustration, where I felt, I don't know how I can ever have a relationship with my dad. How can he do that? And there were many, many times in that place 
and praying desperately to God, going, what do I do, God? And he said, but I forgave you for everything. At the cross, you receive my forgiveness, and so you can forgive your dad. You can forgive him for what he's done. You can forgive him for what he's doing now, and you can forgive him for what he's going to do. And do you know what that did? Every single time I said, okay, God, thank you. I will forgive him. Do you know what it did for my dad? Absolutely nothing. But it healed me. And I'm not unaware today that there are people who are listening who are going through situations of trauma. You've been through situations of abuse. I'm not justifying any of the behavior, and I'm not justifying how you think you should feel. What I'm saying today is that the process of being able to say, God, you have forgiven me for all of my sin and rebellion that I may know you and have community. What an amazing thing that you have given me the gospel. And out of that place of healing, I can recognize that there is nothing that is irreconcilable on earth between myself and somebody else. It's an amazing thing that God does in us. And, 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 and when we go through that process, not a lot changes in our relationship. Trust takes time to build with people again and for relationships to be restored. But I believe that the ongoing process of healing that God does in those moments of experiencing forgiveness and, and forgiving somebody is that it builds a foundation that potentially transformative community can happen again. How amazing is it that I can tell you today that my dad is one of my best friends, despite the, the challenges that we had, that we are reconciled and we are close, and I can say that he is an amazing dad and that he knows Jesus and he has done an amazing work. And I think that that is the healing that God has done that laid the foundation for me to be able to build trust and, or for my dad to build trust in us again. The third thing that we get from forgiveness and our encounter of Jesus at the cross is that he cancels our debt. In Matthew 18 verse 22, there's this encounter that a man has with Jesus and he says, he asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive my enemy? And Jesus says, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. And the servant's master took pity on him. He canceled the debt and let him go. That's not something that we see a lot. People canceling debt. I mean, when last did the bank say to you, you know what? We've had a good relationship over many, many years. Your debt's canceled. It just doesn't happen. It's just not something that we used to. I came across this picture on Twitter the other day. This happened two weeks ago in Joburg. If we've got it. This was spray painted on somebody's wall in their house in Joburg. Told Talani I want my 50,000 rand tomorrow. And I can tell you what, that that debt was not being cancelled. And actually, the city of Joburg tweeted back and said, if you have personal disputes, please deal with them offline. And don't bring, uh, don't bring the, city, the, the city of Joburg into it. But that debt wasn't cancelled. Cancel culture. You guys know what cancel culture is? Cancel culture has become a big thing. Cancel culture is when somebody does something so bad that it becomes... It becomes public, it becomes all over social media, we know about it, we can't separate the behavior from the person. We go, that thing is so bad, how can somebody do that? That we go, you know what, that person's a right off. An example of cancel culture, the American dentist that shot Cecil the lion. That guy 
the people didn't say, you know what, it was wrong to kill the lion, but Flip, he's a, he's a great guy, and we should remember that he's a good family dentist. It didn't happen. His dentist practice was vandalized. He closed it down. He lost his business. His family were estranged from him, his extended family. He had to leave America for an extended period of time because society canceled him. Cancel culture happens all the time where people do stuff, and people go, we write that person off, everything about them. And we look at it on Twitter, and we go, sure, cancel culture is bad. You know, that is something that's developed because of social media. But it's not the case. We, do, we live out cancel culture all the time. I remember my grade nine uh, art teacher, I won an award at school. It was a, like a future leaders award. And I remember her saying to me in front of my entire class, you don't deserve that award and you'll never live up to, to what that award says that you will be. And I remember saying, I'm going to give you the worst year of an art class you've ever had. I canceled her. I wanted her to feel all the pain that I was feeling and I wrote her off. Not what she said, I wrote her off as a person. We do this all the time. You know, that, that person hurt me. I want nothing to do with them. That boss of mine has treated me badly for so long. They're a write-off to me. We do this. We think cancel culture is a thing on a platform. It's something that we live out all the time. We think cancel culture is something that's come from social media. What we realize at the cross through the cancelling of debt as we read in that scripture is that Jesus created cancel culture. Because at the cross, he cancelled our debt, that we were in debt to him because of us and that we could not know him. That everything that we would do, our rebellion, our sin, our shortcomings, our biases, our mistakes, our early judgment calls, our gossip, everything that stood between us and knowing God was cancelled at the cross of Christ. And if I am to receive such a relief of debt from you, Jesus, then I'm able to look at people around me and go, I can cancel that debt. So what about that relationship that you have with your colleague that has just deteriorated over time? And they have treated you badly and they've embarrassed you in meetings and they've said stuff that's made you look bad. And in your mind, you've canceled them. And what if we flip this? Because Jesus always calls us to a higher way. Society says, cancel culture. Jesus says, I cancel debt. So what if you canceled that debt? What if you dropped them a WhatsApp over Christmas and said, you know what, I actually feel like our relationship's been strained and I just want to make sure that we are okay. Can we, can we start the new year differently? And what about that thing that you, uh, you bring up with your spouse every fight? Remember that thing that you did. I will never let you forget it. I'll rub it in your face every single time that we have animosity because it gives me the upper hand. It gives me leverage. And what about if we consider this and have some time over a holiday break to go, where can I cancel debt? And that you say to your spouse, I cancel that thing. It will never come up again. I bury it at the foot of the cross because he has canceled my debt. See, this is the gospel, that through the forgiveness of Jesus at the cross, we are humbled, we are healed, and we are, ans- we are able to cancel debt, and it transforms our relationships and the community around us. The second thing that we get at the cross is acceptance. It says in the Bible that when we come to know Jesus, that the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding feast that we are invited to. It says that we are adopted into the family of God, that we were orphaned, that we were apart from God, yet we are now welcomed into his family, that we are accepted. In Ephesians 2 verse 18, it says, for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. And now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That because of Jesus, 
and his arrival and what he's done for us, we are immediately brought into a community and accepted. And it's called the church. And it is the most beautiful community and the most brilliant idea that God ever had. That he would bring us an experience of him, that our relationship would be restored, that we would immediately enter into a community where we start to do that to one another. But his intention was never that we came to know him and just sat in this community and in our holy huddle and joined arms and looked inwards. I had a, a, a pastor that I heard speak once and he said, sometimes we see the church like that, that we arrive in this community and we are locked in. And he said, we are like that, but just turn around, let the circle face outwards. And that every single person we encounter from whatever background, whatever cultural difference there is, whatever they've done, there's acceptance for them because we have accepted, we have been accepted by God. And so it isn't just for Christians to arrive into a church community, but it's that in every relationship and that every person, the angel said to the shepherds, that all people, that we would have goodwill to all men would be able to be a part of this. But I often find that I can't connect my acceptance from God to being able to accept everybody. I often find that I get in the way and that I make it about the things that I'm feeling or maybe how they treated me or I, just, I can't accept that that person I'm gonna have a relationship based on what they've done. And something changed and shifted in my thinking through an experience that I had and I, and I believe that God taught me something that has really changed the way that I have viewed people and, and I hope it sparks something in you today and that when my wife and I were living in the UK, we were living in Oxford and we, we uh, volunteered quite a bit at a, uh, at a refugee uh, counseling center. It was particularly at the time when there were thousands, tens of thousands of refugees flooding both into the UK and into Europe. Um, and we had went and um, engaged with them quite a lot. And then they came to us one day and said, look, there's a, there's a young guy um, who needs a place of safety for four months. He's in between uh, uh, two cities in the UK and would, could he come and live with you for four months? And we thought about it and prayed about it and we decided this was, you know, God, you've accepted us, let's, let's give him a place to, to stay. And so Shakib came to live with us for four months. He was a 17-year-old young man from Afghanistan. His father was in the Taliban. He fled Afghanistan with 20 other people as a young teenager. Um, he was the only one to make it out alive. Um, traumatic, traumatic history. And he arrived in the UK and had been from place to place to place. And now it was another place, was our house. And, uh, and I must be honest, <laughs> when I first thought, right, let's do this, we spoke to them, a bit of a process and paperwork and doing that. And then he arrived. Suddenly all the fear came back and, and I thought, she's, you know, it's a 17-year-old man that I don't know. He's come from a traumatic background. He's vulnerable. I don't know what kind of behavior he has. I'm here with my wife and our house. And I, I felt that those things just, just affected, I think, the way that I treated him and the way that I really was able to accept him in our house. And so we were a little bit of passing ships, um, but he had a place to be. Um, but I just kept feeling like I just couldn't get past some of my own just fears of the situation. Um, and then uh, every night he would, uh, he would go and break his fast with other Muslim people in the community and they'd often do that late. And one night my wife and I fell asleep um, a bit early and I woke up at like midnight and the lights were on and I, I, just, I didn't know if he'd come home or if he was still out and now you're responsible for the 17-year-old and you're responsible to this agency. It was, it was a really stressful moment and I woke Anne's up and she said, well, Matt, you've got to go and check in his room if he's there. So... She's, you know, I didn't want to invade his privacy and all of that, but I thought I've got to go. And so I go up to his door, I pull the door handle down, and it just, just 
shocked me. He had locked his door from the inside and had been sleeping with the lights on for the three months that he'd been with us. And I'd been fearful of Shakib. I'd been afraid of him. He was more afraid of me. And it absolutely changed the way that I see people that I'm not prepared to accept because of my fears and the things that stand in the way. And actually, often there's hurt we don't know about. There's trauma we don't know about. There's experiences that people have had that they have locked the key to their heart on the inside and said that we are not going to be able to engage. You cannot accept me in because of the way that I am. And we go, why are they so cold to me? Why do they sit on the outside? Why don't they just come to coffee at church? Why don't they just get involved? It's that person on the fringe, the person that's inconvenience, it's inconvenience for us to reach out to them. It's the person that we may have to humble ourselves and put our pride aside to engage with. And it's often, ah, 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 me, 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 and I realize that other people have hurt, not just me. Other people have experiences that have shaped the way they are. And it absolutely changed the way that I learned how to accept people around me. And I really want to challenge you on that this morning. That the fear of rejection and the fear of other people and accepting them in is not about you. That so often it's about them. And what we've received at the cross meant that whatever we were in, whatever state we were in, God accepted us. And I really want to encourage you this morning that you're not going to be able to muster up enough Christmas cheer to be able to live out forgiveness and acceptance in the way that we have experienced from Jesus on the cross. But that we need help. And God says that he has left with us one that is a helper and an advocate, and it's the Holy Spirit. And it says in John 14 that I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth says the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. And while we can take these, these principles that we learn from the vertical relationship and the acceptance and the forgiveness that God has given us, it's only by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that we are able to transform and be in a community that can transform around us. That we're going to be able to say, God, physically, I'm going to be apart from people this Christmas. But who are you asking me to just humble myself and forgive or ask for forgiveness from? that possibly actually maybe I have hurt somebody and that I know that and that relationship can only be restored when the Holy Spirit prompts you to be able to engage with them or to accept them. And God is able to do that and he's done that with me many times. And we really just pray that today God just starts at that thought that maybe, the, maybe you're going to have Christmas physically and there's just that one family member, you know they, they're COVID safe, but you don't want them there because it's awkward and it's a little bit uncomfortable. Bring them in. Accept them. Get them there. Andrew White is known as the vicar of Baghdad um, and he runs an Anglican church in the red zone in Baghdad in Iraq and he's done so for many, many years. And aside from many other good things that they do in that community, one of the things he's done is, is hosted countless reconciliation sessions between different cultural tribes that have not been able to, to be together for hundreds and hundreds of years. And he has, recon, he has had reconciliation talks between the Sunnis and the Shias and, 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 and tribes that people thought were completely irreconcilable. He has been at the middle of that. And because he realizes that there is nothing that is irreconcilable between us and God, that he gets to live that out in his community. And I know that that is at the extreme. And I'm saying today, let's look at our colleagues and our family members and the people we encounter. 
But the one thing, his most, his, his most favorite saying out of this big scale reconciliation that he gets to live out every day is he says, when it comes to your relationships, he says, don't take care, take risks. And I'm encouraging you and, and, and going to try myself this Christmas and going into 2021 to, be, to take COVID care and to wear your masks and sanitize and do all of those things. But when it comes to your relationships, when it comes to your community, don't take care, take risks. Step out into places that are uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable for Jesus to do what he did for us, but he canceled our debt that we may cancel the debt of others, that he may bring us forgiveness that we can forgive others and be reconciled to them. And so God, as we close this morning, we just ask that you would help us I thank you, Jesus, for the gospel. I thank you that you are Emmanuel, God with us. I thank you that you have not left us alone. I thank you that you have welcomed us in, adopted us as your own God. And I pray, Father God, that for those who've watched this morning, don't feel like they have the peace of salvation, the peace to know that their eternity with you is is forever solidified. I pray, God, that this morning people would be able to to confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that you have saved them, that you were a savior who arrived. And I thank you for that, God. I pray, Father God, for those of us that have encountered you, that have encountered your forgiveness and your healing and the cancellation of our death, that, God, we would be able to extend that into our relationships and into the community around us. Father, that you would transform our relationships into, into ways where we thought were irreconcilable, that you would bring reconciliation, God, that you would do something powerful. I pray that you would empower us, Holy Spirit, to take steps of risk, that we wouldn't take care, God. You didn't take care with us. You took a risk with us, God. And we thank you, Father. I ask, God, that you would be with us over the next few weeks over Christmas as we take a moment to pause try and look back on what has been a crazy year, that we would see what you have done for us and that we would see people and we would see God where they have maybe locked from the inside out and God, then that we would reach out empowered by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, that was profound. And if you're sitting next to the person that you need to forgive, maybe just give each other a little bit of space and... Take some time out and go for a walk. And then think about how you're going to invite family, take a risk on family, and bring them to an online service next week. Bring them to a screen and open gifts together in the process. We'll, we'll tell you how that's all going to happen, so watch our social media. But I'm praying that forgiveness will lead to risk and that risk will lead to salvation. So take a few steps And take this seriously because it can set you free for next year. May God bless you. Have a fantastic Sunday. And it's been great being with you. God bless. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like to find out more information about Olive Tree Church, please visit our website at otc.org.za or email info at otc.org.za. We hope you have an amazing week.